welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here, reporting live from PMS Artwork Studios. Yay! Hiya, hiya, hiya! <laughs> as much as I'd like to do the whole show as the Muppets, um, I probably will get sued. But it would be fun to do it because we're going to talk about shipping today as artists, and it can be a little boring and a little dense, even though it is very important So we're not going to waste any time, and we're going to just jump right into it. So first of all, I wanted to say that there are some great um, videos online that you can look at that will also accent what I'm saying and give you some great ideas visually because it's kind of hard to describe all of this uh, in an audio format. But I'm going to do my darndest. I'm going to do my darndest. Darndest. But you can go to Sachi. Uh, art online. They've got some great videos and I have some up on my YouTube channel. I have another one that's coming up a part two of a part one, but I've got more than that too. So if you want to get some ideas, um, you can look in the show notes and I will have all of that. So we're going to talk about um, shipping as an individual artist today, because first of all, most of us are probably struggling a little bit with money. Um, We are, or at least on a budget. Most artists are on a budget and Uh, We just don't have a bunch of cash to drop on shipment. So you want to figure out how to cut corners, how to do the best job you can on a limited budget and get stuff there reliably so the collector is happy and buys again. And I have shipped over 300 pieces, uh, both domestically and internationally at this point. And I feel like I've kind of become an old hand at it. Um, I've learned a lot of tricks, learned some things the hard way. I didn't really have anybody helping me when I figured it out. So I kind of learned by trial and error but I'm just going to give you a couple tips and tricks and um, some ideas. So let's get started. So not only are we going to be talking about shipping, but we're going to be talking about packaging the artwork yourself, getting packaging materials, boxing materials, whatever you want to call it, and then going through the whole process. I do want to start off by saying, if you can't afford it, there are art handling services out there that are really good. There's a bunch of them. You can just Google it. I don't really use these when I'm shipping my own pieces because I think they can get pretty expensive. There are reasons to use these. For example, uh, they're good for gallery transporting. If you're shipping a bunch of work to a gallery and you really want it to be taken care of, these are a good way to go. A lot of these services will pick it up, package it professionally, and take it to these places for you. Um, They're also good for art fairs, large shipments, like I said, auctions, Anything that's like a really high-priced item that you don't want to risk or that can't really be insured by you shipping it personally, uh, that's a good way to go. 
I do believe also that a lot of these art uh, handling services only do it domestically. Like each country has their own services. I could be wrong about that. I'm sure there are some that also go internationally, but it can be a great resource for stuff that's being shipped in the country. I know some people do a lot of art fairs and they will ship their work and then have an art handling service, pick it up and take it to a fair or take it to a gallery. So if that's your situation, uh, look into that. And they're really knowledgeable. You can just call them up and they'll give you quotes and they'll give you all the information. So we're basically going to be focusing on what you can do privately, personally, privately, personally in your own studio. Yeah. So let's get started. I think for me, I pretty much use either USP. I'll actually put them into two categories. It's USPS, the United States Postal Service, and then everybody else, FedEx, UPS, DHL, you name it. I separate those two and put all those other ones in the same category because a lot of their services like FedEx, UPS, DHL, they vary a bit and it's always good to get some quotes from each one, but they seem to be pretty pretty close. I have um, found some cheaper rates with DHL before going internationally on some very weird odd shaped packages that I saved a few hundred bucks on, but it still was pretty pricey. So before we get into that, let's talk about boxing materials. You can get boxing materials online. I know during the quarantine and the virus, which will not be named, I did buy a lot of stuff online because my local boxing uh, service was, or my, my local mom and pop boxing place was closed. Um, I use Box City here in LA. They have, have quite a few locations throughout Los Angeles. They're pretty affordable. They're you know easy to get to. They're spread out amongst the city or around the city, and they have good prices and good services. Good people. They can also deliver to you as well. But I was forced to use Amazon and a bunch of other places like this online to kind of piece together stuff that I would normally just go buy a box city. And, you know, you can get lucky and get some good deals, but I've actually been surprised to see that I was getting mainly better deals going to box city. So wherever you are, you may not be in Los Angeles, find your local box store, your mom and pop box shop. If that is not a name, it should be a name. You heard it here first, mom and pop box shop. So find one of those and, you know, just develop a rapport with them. Sometimes they'll give you good deals for being a repeat customer. And uh, what I do is I typically, I I don't normally stockpile a lot of materials. I'll have like your standard stuff, like your packaging tape, some extra foam, uh, things like that. But as far as boxes, I typically will just wait for a sale and then go get it because, you know, being on a budget, uh, you have certain constraints and I don't know what size I'm going to be shipping out. So I just wait for an order to come in and then I will just rush out and get the materials that I need. Sometimes I'm lucky. I do have a stockpile of like pieces of boxes and small boxes. And sometimes I get lucky and I have leftover stuff. And during the quarantine, I've definitely had some stockpiled boxes. So that has actually been nice. I might be kind of going in that direction from now on because it is convenient. But um, let's say you're not. So you go to your local store and these are the boxing materials that I get. These are kind of my go-to materials. Are you ready? Do you have a pen and paper handy? If not, you can pause it and go get one or some. So obviously you want to get the boxes, right? A lot of times with the paintings that I ship and the sizes, I, I get mirror boxes. Mirror boxes are great. They're sturdy. They're kind of flat because what you're going to be shipping is based on, a lot of times it's based on weight and it's based on dimensions, which is length, uh, length, width, and girth. 
and they'll kind of measure those. So the flatter you can make it, the better. And most of these mirror boxes come uh, as like three inches or four inches in depth. So that's great. If not, you know, if you've got a different weird wonky size, you can get some boxes that can be pieced together. Mirror boxes can do that too, but you can get like four pieces that you can kind of join at all of the corners. And you can just get smaller boxes that are three inches or four inches in depth. So, you know, just get to know your box store and, and grab those. I like to leave the painting pretty snug in the box. So I pretty much like to arrange boxing materials, getting my boxes to be about an inch or two wider than the dimensions of the painting. Let's say the painting is 22 inches by whatever. Let's just say it's square, 22 by 22. I would get a 24 by 24 by four inch box because that gives you a little space to put a little padding around the the piece and make it nice and snug and secure so it doesn't move around a lot. Some of these paintings are not going to be 100% six month dry with oils. Some of them might be glass. Some of them might have some, you know, fragile material. So you want it to be as snug as possible. So it's not shaking around because, you know, you've heard the horror stories. You've seen the videos of couriers throwing your stuff around. Um, I have yet to have a piece break or get damaged in, uh, in transit. So knock on wood, well, I want to keep it that way. But uh, yeah, I credit a lot of that to my packaging and keeping everything really snug. So we get the we get the boxes. You want to get a nice uh, packaging tape. I get clear tape, but that doesn't matter. Um, I just get stuff that's durable and cost efficient. It hasn't given any problems yet. And then I like to get the thin foam wrap. It's like polyurethane wrap. A lot of people use a certain type of paper that I can't remember the name of it right now. Sachi recommends it. You can see it on there. But you put that over the thing. It's supposed to be non-stick. But I've actually had those stick before, and I've had I've heard stories of other people's art sticking to those. I don't have any problems with this thin polyurethane wrap. It comes in these big rolls. You'll see it on my videos. And I, I just wrap the piece around that first right against the, the surface of the painting. I've never had it stick to that. Um, I've had a piece stick to some of the other foam that I'm going to tell you about. But I've never had any art stick to this polyurethane wrap. Uh, it's great. And it's it gives you a little thin layer that protects it from from anything. And I just, I use that first. So I'll, I'll cover the surface of that, wrap it around, go around the edges, make sure it's snug, but not too tight. So it's not pulling on any surface texture. And then what I typically do is I, I use a a roll of thick packaging foam. This kind of looks like the foam, like the gray, black or charcoal foam that they use to soundproof studios. Some of them have the little, it's like like egg container shaped, but also I just get the flat ones. You can get those, but I just get the flat ones and it's the same thing, but it's great. I mean, that way if somebody kicks the box or it hits another box or something metal and, and it punctures a hole in it, you've got this, you've got another layer of this packaging foam to protect the piece. So you got the thin layer of this polyurethane wrap foam uh, I don't use a lot of bubble wrap. Sometimes I will with smaller pieces, but you can use that. But I actually go for this thick packaging foam. It, it works great for me. It typically comes in one inches to two inches in depth, dep- I mean um, thickness, depending on what I'm using. I will either double up on it if it's one inch or use the two inch just to give it an, uh, an extra little bit of thickness to protect it from the, you know, all the elements. That's great. And I'll just cut it around there and tape it around the piece, uh, make sure it's like the same size as the actual piece. And then what I'll do is you can either you can either cover 
Sachi is really great about telling you how to cover the corners of the piece. You can find these little corner cardboard pieces that you can cover it with or styrofoam pieces that will fit in there. I like to use the cardboard ones and they just kind of fit together. They, they pull them off, pop them off, and you fit them on the corners. That's just to, to protect the corners. But what I will do also is cut thin pieces of the packaging foam. And I'll run it the length and the width of the piece to put that around to line the box. So you've got that barrier in between the edges of the piece, and then you have it to cover the surface of the piece. And then I'll tape that all together, or I will use this thin plastic wrap. It's kind of like what you see when you're going internationally. Like I know when my wife and I go to Buenos Aires, they wrap all the packages with this kind of stuff. Uh, so people won't get in there. <laughs> and so it's more secure, but I use this to just kind of wrap around certain difficult pieces or irregularly shaped pieces because it just kind of wraps. It makes it nice and snug. It's easy to uh, go around the whole piece. And it's also can be very light, but it's very sturdy at the same time. Once you wrap it a few times around, nothing's moving. And then I'll just make sure it's fit snug in the box and you tape it up. I make sure you do double tape and tape on the edges as well. You can see all that in my videos. Can't really um, give you a great representation of that audit auditorily, but um, yeah, you'll get a, you'll get some good ideas and a good representation of that if you see some of my videos on the YouTube channel. But yeah, so now we're going to move on to shipping. We're going to move on to the shipping and the couriers because that is the next step, and this can also be tricky. So this is probably the number one or number two question I get online and on social media, Instagram is how do you ship your work? Who do you use? How do you save money? All that. So I just figured it'd be much easier just to get this all down in one place. And if anybody asks me, I can just direct them to this and hopefully it'll, it'll cover all your questions. But if you still have some minor questions, uh, obviously reach out to me um, and I will answer if I can. If not, this should be a good resource for you. So like I mentioned I'm splitting this into categories of USPS, which is United States Postal Service, or FedEx, UPS, DHL. If you're listening to this in another country, you know, use your whatever your equivalent is. I know in the UK, it's Parcel Force. Um, that's kind of their USPS. And I think they have FedEx, UPS, all that. So just fill in the gap. Whatever your local post office is or postal service is, you can, it's probably interchangeable with USPS here. I'm going to break these down basically into cost, sizes, and size limitation, VAT charges, speed, and reliability. And I'm going to just start with USPS. They're actually my go-to. I will use FedEx and UPS, like I said, DHL from time to time. I will use them sparingly and whenever I can, or whenever I have to, I should say. I just shipped a bunch of pieces via FedEx. It was good. It's convenient in certain ways because you can have them pick it up and, you know, you can go in and and you kind of know what you're getting, whereas USPS, it's a lot more up to you. You can just kind of get to the desk and they'll help you out at FedEx and, and UPS. And But I found, like, for example, I just had this shipment to a German collector and I, I shipped a piece, a big canvas that I rolled in a tube, which I very rarely do. And we can talk about that, like the differences between crating and rolling in a tube later. But anyway, so I, I shipped it out. I paid the normal charge and then I got a couple additional charges along the way. And it was like, oh, well, these are the VAT charges. These are the, basically these are local taxes that they pay uh, 
for whatever country you're in, these all vary. Some of them are pretty intense. Some of them are pretty cheap. But it's basically like a tax for <laughs> their citizens buying something internationally, which I think is ridiculous. But hey, you got to make money, right? So a lot of times you just need to say, uh, you know, I don't pay for the VAT charge. I actually pay. I've paid for those. Anytime my customers or my collectors have had a problem in the past, I've either offered to split that VAT charge with them or I've just paid it to make them happy. And a lot of times they, you know, they buy again and you make up for it. And hey, it's just a, it's just like 30 or 40 bucks most times. Although if you just want to be upfront and just say, I'm not responsible for VAT charges, that's the responsibility of the collector. That's totally fine and fair game. And a lot of artists, I would say most artists do that. But anyway, so I got charged a couple of times and I called them up and I couldn't like pin them down on it. And what had happened was this person who checked me out at the counter, um, it was it was actually my fault for not asking the questions because I've shipped a lot, but he just gave me a quote and he billed it to me. It was like 160 bucks for a tube, which for me seems pretty pricey for just a small three inch tube. But when I saw the charge later, it was like, it was like 90 bucks. And I finally got somebody on the phone and they said, oh, well, that's the local, that's the VAT charge. And I said, oh, okay, well, nobody asked me about that. And they said, well, they're supposed to, uh, they're supposed to talk to you about it when you, when you ship it, but they hadn't. So what they just accidentally did was they billed it to me or they billed it to a third party, which came back to me. Uh, normally just make sure that if you're going with them, that you're saying, you want the recipient to be paying for these VAT charges, and then they can set that up for you. But let's focus back on USPS for the for the moment. I go with them because they are always the cheapest or the most affordable, I should say. They, as far as reliability, you hear horror stories all the time about USPS. I've never had any problems, and I've shipped with them hundreds of times. And my stuff's always gotten there. There's been a couple times where it's gotten there later, a lot of times recently with the pandemic, but that's completely understandable because they don't have their own plane or they don't have their airline, own airline service like USP or UPS or FedEx. They actually have to hop flights. So they'll hop like a commercial flight and that's how they get their um, packaging to a different country. So there weren't any flights going out to the UK or to a couple of different countries I was shipping to. So it just sat around. One time I had a piece sit for 30 days during the pandemic and finally it caught a flight and it had to go all the way through Japan to hop over to the UK. So it kind of went around about way, but it got there. And luckily the collector was understanding because of uh, the virus, which will not be named, but that's not normally the case. I typically have had all my international shipments get there within about two weeks. Uh, a lot of times less every once in a while, it'll be a little, long, little longer, but it's, it's pretty standard six to 10 business days, counting for the weekends, that's going to be about two weeks. Because what happens is they each have to go through customs. And then it depends on the customs of the country that you're going to. Some are faster than others. And then it can get stopped up from the VAT charges. And then a lot of times the collector will have to be called in to come in and pay that charge to have the piece be released. Or they can, sometimes I think they can pay it over the phone and then it gets uh, shipped to them in their country. But I've never had any problems of a package not arriving from USPS. And most times it's been very fast. So that was a pleasant surprise when I started doing this and I've taken most of my business to them. So to recap, cost-wise, they're definitely the most affordable. Reliability, I give them two thumbs up for me. I'm sure other people will give you something else, but you can get horror stories from any courier, really. From hundreds of paintings being shipped, I've never had a problem. Okay, so size. 
there are limits on USPS. This is the one tricky part because a lot of times I'll be shipping a whatever, a $2,000 painting, a large painting that's going to, let's just say the UK, and they have different size restrictions. So it typically is like to the UK, it's 108 inches, which you're thinking like, oh, 108 inches, that's really long. But what that means is they're going to take the height by the girth. So the longest side, let's say it's a let's say it's a 48 inch long piece by 24 inches. So you get it into a box that's like 25 by 49, let's say, and it's four inches deep. So what they're going to do is they're going to take 49 inches. They're going to add 25 plus 25 for both widths plus the four inches. So that's, you know, 50, 54, 58 plus the, the 49. So that's going to be 107 inches. So basically they're getting the length, the longest side plus the girth. So 107 inches, that's close. That's about my limit as far as shipping to the UK and a lot of countries internationally is a four foot by two foot painting. The ones that are really wide are actually the worst. So you're thinking like, oh, okay, well, 36 by 36 will be fine then because it's pretty much the same dimensions, right? So why that's a problem is because you're doing 36 inches plus 36 inches, which is 72 inches, plus four plus four. So you've got that another eight inches there. And then you have to do uh, plus the longest side. So that takes you well over the 108 inches. So that's the problem. Like I, the one I just shipped to Germany, I shipped it in a tube because of that. So I just tore it off the stretcher bars and carefully rolled it into a um, a tube and then you know, put all the, whatever, the certificate of authenticity and all the documentation in there rolled up with a piece and then shipped it out. Now that's going to be really cheap from USPS if you do a tube. If you're going to do that, I highly recommend USPS. It was a holiday weekend here and there were some problems. So I I just went with FedEx because I wanted to make sure that it was going to get there at a certain time. And it was a convenience thing that weekend and it ended up being kind of a headache. So I would have Looking back, I would have rather gone with USPS on that. So internationally, there is a limit. I haven't had any problems with size uh, domestically. I'm sure there are a limit to like if you had a huge, huge, huge crate, maybe that's a maybe that is going to be a problem. But as far as most of the stuff I've shipped or sold has been four feet by three feet or or less. A couple of times there's been some exceptions, a little bit bigger, but I haven't had any problems domestically with the size of any um, packages. So that's good. Now, they are very fast through the USA. I would argue they're the fastest. If you go through like FedEx and you go ground to save money, which is how you have to do it, or UPS ground, that's how you save money domestically on a lot of these packages. I'm surprised at how long sometimes these take. Most times it'll take like up to a week. Uh, whereas I can do domestically for as inexpensively or le- or less even with USPS domestically, and it'll get there in two to three days. So I highly recommend them as far as speed domestically. USPS is also pretty fast. I would give them a moderate on uh, a moderate rating on their speed internationally. And now this is all different. You can choose between different things. Like if it's under a certain weight and under a certain uh, cost, I think it's just weight. I think it's under four pounds and a certain uh, packaging dimensions. You can ship pretty cheaply internationally. Only thing I don't like about that is you don't get a tracking number. 
which you're going to want to have for your collector and for yourself in case something happens. So that's with USPS. So I always go priority mail. So just to give you an idea, like let's say I'm doing a 24 by 24 inch painting, which is, you know, medium size, and I ship it to USPS, uh, I will go priority mail international. Sometimes, depending on whatever's going on with them and their little algorithms, they will upgrade you to priority mail express international, which gives you a kind of a guarantee of when it's going to be there. That's great, but I won't pay for that. So I just do priority mail international and it'll get there within six to 10 business days. And a 24 by 24 inch painting, which is in a box, it's about 25 by 25 by four, roughly around nine pounds, eight or nine pounds. It's typically around 70 bucks, 70 to 80 bucks to ship that. That is not bad because if you go and you do that with FedEx, UPS, DHL, it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. It's going to, a lot of times it costs you more than the actual price of the painting. That's fine. If you want to charge your customer that much for shipping or your collector that much for shipping, but what collector is going to spend more on shipping than they do on your, on your piece. And now with the advent of all these online marketplaces, which is where you have to figure out all the shipping for yourself. A lot of times um, it's a, it's a lot of competition. So you want to be having the most competitive rates, right? To, to get your stuff sold and to get it bought and to uh, ship it reliably. Yeah, so that's a problem. That's why I tend to go with USPS a lot internationally. When I do have to go with FedEx or UPS internationally, it's something like that where it's, it's rolled in a tube or it's a really, really small piece, um, which is still expensive sometimes. Like I've shipped a 10-inch by 10-inch piece one time uh, to the UK and it cost me like 200 bucks. So that gives you a little idea. 10 inch by 10 inch with FedEx, 200 and some bucks. 24 by 24 inch piece, it's nine pounds to the UK USPS, 70 or 80 bucks. You get an idea. A lot of times when you're doing a piece that's, let's say I did a 48 inch by 24 inch, a four foot by two foot painting, like I was saying earlier, which I was saying with USPS can go to the UK and that'll typically be about $140. That would be about $1,000 with FedEx or UPS. So you see the conundrum. A lot of times people want to have the the name of FedEx or UPS or DHL. It feels more reliable. The bigger pieces will probably get there a little faster and they'll arrive to the door faster and it seems very dependable. But the conundrum is, do you really want to charge your collector $1,000? Like let's say your piece is $2,000. You want to charge them $1,000 or $1,100 more for your packaging? If they're cool with it, fine. And if you're going to eat up some of that cost, well, that's eating into your profits. And then if you're dealing with an online art marketplace, depending on how much they're taking, if they're taking 35 to 40% to 50% even, which is pretty standard, you're seeing your, you know, your uh, profit really, really declining. So a lot of times I use USPS for all of those reasons uh, above. And a lot of these places, which is great, some marketplaces, Sachi, SingularArt, Uh, a couple others, they will handle the packaging for you. Not packaging, but they'll handle the shipping. They'll arrange for a courier like UPS or FedEx to come pick it up. And then that's wonderful. So you're basically having to worry about the packaging. That's what you're fronting those costs for boxing and packaging materials, which can be 20, 30 bucks, but at least they're handling the pickup and the, the collectors handling the shipping costs, which is at a much reduced rate because I think what they do is they batch these. Since they're a client that ships a lot, 
they get these kind of batch rates, which really drives the cost down. So that's the way they handle it. So if you're with a marketplace like that, great. It's going to be a, a load off and much less of a headache dealing with shipping. Um, if you're dealing with like some other art marketplaces, for example, I think Etsy or Artfinder, for example, you really have to know your stuff. You really have to know where to save on shipping, how to handle this, knowing, knowing your timelines, knowing the rates, knowing all the uh, VAT charges and all that. What I do to save money on VAT charges a lot with USPS, for example, is I you can get around that a little bit by marking um, some of your stuff down in value. Like if you don't, if your piece is worth a thousand bucks and you say, "Hey, this is worth fifty bucks," <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot less. Or some countries even get away with marking it as a gift. You just have to know your countries and research all that stuff. So that can also save you some money. Obviously, if, if it gets damaged, you're screwed. But I have not to this point. Knock on wood again. Uh, had any damage to my pieces yet so um, that's in like over 300 pieces shipped so it's been a it's been a gamble for me that's been you know worthwhile and has paid off i think i kind of in a roundabout way covered a lot of these things with fedex and ups so they are cheap to the usa ground they will take a little bit longer though because because you're saving on the cost of doing ground it takes them longer they don't have a limit internationally on size. So that is a major plus. So if you're creating something very large and you want to ship it uh, with one of them, that's that's great. But you better be ready to pay for it or your collector better be ready to pay for it. The VAT charges, all those just make sure that you are arranging with FedEx, UPS or DHL or whoever you use, that that's going to be billed to your customer or your collector and make sure they know that that's going to be happening. The As far as speed, they're very fast internationally, which is great. And then reliability, that's kind of one of the big things that you're paying for. Or it's a stigma, at least with a lot of these couriers. They want to go with these big brand names because it's reliable. Because you hear, you don't hear a lot of them having a bunch of problems, uh, although it can happen to anybody. You got to just kind of weigh your own options and figure it out. Based on my own experience, which might not be yours, but I have definitely had a lot of them, USPS is my go-to uh, whenever I can. Hopefully that's helpful. If not, and you're doing bulk stuff or you're sending to an auction house or to an art fair, or to galleries within, you know, domestically or whatever, um, or you're shipping your stuff that's going to an art fair, figure out that you can, you can get an art handling service to pick up that stuff for you and package it and handle it with care. So that's for another podcast or for you to do your own research on. So I kind of want to wind this down by talking a little bit about not getting screwed with free shipping. So let's say you're using one of these art marketplaces or through your website, right? Through your own website, and you have to be responsible for all the shipping, the packaging and the shipping. And you got to know all that stuff in the timelines. And let's say you want to make it a little more enticing because everybody's offering free shipping these days, right? It's really difficult, as you'll find out, um, or maybe you already have, to offer free shipping on art, especially big art, because the shipping is a nightmare. It is so expensive. If you're going to do that and you're going to do free shipping, like I have free shipping on my website right now. Uh, some of them have a little bit of a caveat if it's over a certain size. Or for example, if it's on wood and it's a huge size and I can't roll it up because it's on wood, then you know they're going to just have to understand. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to cover free shipping on something that's 1100 bucks. But for the most part with the other stuff that's under a certain size, if you can get away with it for around 70 to 80 bucks 
or 90 bucks internationally and you're pricing your work well and you're not taking a hit with your commissions, for example, it goes to your web- website and you don't have a commission, great, do free shipping, just eat that cost, eat that 70, 80 bucks and just say, hey, I'm offering it on me. This is a uh, free shipping on me. You can even, I've got like a, right now I've got a 15% discount on my website with free shipping on me. And you might be like, well, how do you, how do you do that? How do you make any money? Well, my work is priced uh, well, I think. And the 15% is less than half of what I would be paying commission wise to another site. And, you know, as far as shipping, I know based on my experience with USPS and whatnot, I can get most of these things there pretty in- inexpensively. And it's just worth it. If I can make some more sales, then, you know, eating that shipping cost uh, makes sense from a business standpoint. You know, hopefully that is a load off when you're thinking about doing this. Now, let's say you're using something like Etsy or Artfinder or, or a place that doesn't um, have a, a courier that they work with and you have to be handling all that and you're doing free shipping and, you know, they're taking a cut. They're taking a uh, commission. Uh, let's say it's, 35%. Okay. You have to be very specific with the pieces that you're offering. Like I will only do that on a very, uh, like on a large piece that is, that is easily shippable. Like my limit, the four feet by two feet one, if it's a piece, it's like $2,000 and I want to offer free shipping on that. Okay. Well, they're going to get their cut. They're going to get their 35% or 33%, whatever cut, which is going to be 600 and some dollars, right? Uh, almost $700. So that leaves you with 14, almost $1,400, right? And if you're going to ship that thing for 120 or 140, you're still going to be making 12 something. Now that's up to you. Um, if that's okay, I can't tell you how to price your work, but I'm okay with making 1250 or 1260 bucks on a sale, especially if it's a piece that I've done in my signature style that I can do and I can replicate and hasn't taken me, you know, four months to paint. Yeah, it makes sense for me from a business standpoint. Now that might not be okay with you, but you have to think about it this way too. In a gallery, in a brick and mortar gallery, uh, if you sold that same piece to a collector, yeah, they're handling all the shipping to this collector and, and, you know, making the sale and whatnot, but they're going to get 50% of that, which is going to leave you with a thousand. So even in that scenario, you're making an extra 200 to 300 bucks with the free shipping and the commission that the uh, online art marketplace is taking. So you just have to do your math. You have to make sure you're pricing your work properly and you're weighing your options uh, with couriers and with uh, boxing material. That's the one other thing, save on boxing material where you can, because if you go crazy and you didn't plan for it and you have to go buy 50, 60 bucks of uh, boxing material also, then that's gonna cut into your profits as well. Try to uh, try to buy in bulk when you can and try to keep some at your place. So basically when I go, I end up spending about 15 to 20 bucks each time, which is pretty good. That's not much. You People get screwed sometimes when they don't plan or let's say you do a sale on an art marketplace. You have a sale, like a site-wide sale running or you have like 20% off on certain pieces or 25% off and then you get hit with a commission and then you get hit with the free shipping and then you get hit with the boxing material and all that stuff. All of a sudden you're making like nothing. You're making like 25% or 30% of the final sale. So you just have to be aware of all those things and really kind of go into it with your eyes wide open. So that's it. I mean, we could talk about this a lot more, but I'm going to leave it at that for now. 
and I think I got to most stuff that I wanted to talk about. If you have any questions, like I said, feel free to reach out to me. All these couriers are good. They're all reliable, but it just depends on kind of what you're going for with your shipping. If you're going for affordability, if you're going for speed, if you're going internationally or domestically, they all have their pros and cons. So hopefully I helped kind of iron those out for you and um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope it wasn't too dense. So I'm going to let you all go. It's uh, about 3.18 on a Friday afternoon here. I'm wrapping up some of my other work and paintings and videos and all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get ready for the weekend and to have a little bit of fun. So hope you enjoy this episode and take it away, Kermit. Happy feet. I've got those happy feet. Give them a low down beat. And they begin dancing. <laughs> take it easy, everybody. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time. <laughs>